0: Trollodren, Legends and Lore, Episode Twenty Four Remnants. Well, hello, and welcome to Trollodron Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey, and welcome to the last episode of season two. Hopefully, you've been enjoying it and having a fun time, as I have been explaining more about the different gods and part of the more aspects of the Trollodron pantheon to you, and it's making more sense, especially if you've been reading the Wizard King trilogy, and especially the Triumph of the Wizard King, the third book of the Wizard King trilogy, where a lot of the gods are making an appearance, as you are probably aware if you're reading the book. If you're not, do please feel free to check it out. You can go to chadcorey.com and other places all over the internet and bookstores and wherever. Pick up a copy. Get a copy for yourself, for others, for friends, whatever, for holiday gifts, what have you. Uh, but yeah, check it out. I, I think you would f- definitely find it if you enjoyable if you like these podcasts. Now, switching back in the gears again here. We're looking at Remanos, and obviously, like I said in last episode, we are not going to be able to cover all the gods in this season. So we're going to be carrying that over into next season, season three, and finishing up the gods there, and probably talking about something I haven't talked about yet, which will be looking at the different cults and different belief systems in the world setting, which we haven't touched on in the stories and things yet. So I think that could be a lot of fun and open up a lot of New fun stories and uh, insight that I think you'd benefit from and enjoy if you've been enjoying these series so far. And let's kind of do a little rehash here. What we're wrapping up with here is basically an overview of who Remonas is. Again, I'm not going to be able to get into a very blow by blow specific amount of information about Remonas or any of the other gods because a lot of them have uh, history, they have Various groups and affiliated orders and things tied to them. We could spend a lot of time into that, plus the background of who they are and how they operate. And just like I said, there's a lot of elements we can get into and explore. But I didn't want to do that and get lost in the shuffle and the weeds, so to speak. I wanted to focus more on the deity themselves and giving you a, basically an overview of who they are, where they fit in the, the cosmology, and hopefully give you a more fleshed out understanding of what they can be doing and what they're doing in the stories. So in continuation of that, we're going to look at his Remenos' family relational aspect to all the other gods. He is the son of Cuthon and Othon, excuse me, Cuthon and Asura. He is the brother to Perloza, and he is the cousin to Casilla, Darian and Sherrill. And he's also one of the dark gods. And I mentioned this previously with uh, Cuthon. He is probably one of the more vocal elements of the Dark Gods. Well, considering there's only four of them in the group, it's not not too hard. And he's obviously an ally and a partner with his father, Cuthon, who's part of that group as well. And if you want to know more about who the Dark Gods are and their philosophical leanings as far as how they choose to govern and focus in the Council and other things, generally speaking, you can go to chadcory.com. That's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E.com. Go to the Traladun page, and there should be a link on there to the Pantheon, and they'll break it down as far as who's in what group and what they generally believe overall. Some of the titles of Reminos include the Flame Lord, Mover of the Sun, Lord of Volcanoes, Steward of Flame, the Burning God, and the Vengeful One. His symbol is known as the Red Sun. It's a blood red sun getting impaled by a black dagger, and it's jabbed all the way up to the hilt from above the sun. The point of the blade is actually sticking out underneath it, kind of a nice uh, gruesome imagery there. (laughs) Around the sun are four flames, or four flares, excuse me, at the four cardinal directions. And then when used on banners and other such means on display, the background often chosen is a bright yellow or an orange, and the sun is blood red and the dagger is black. Priests will wear a circular brass pendant with the symbol carved in bas-relief, And when they wear them, they'll usually have a yellow, orange, or red strap or cloth affixed to the pendant and, you know, letting it hang from their neck. Again, colors and stuff vary by the different sects that the priests are part of and the different belief systems, as we've been saying throughout all the episodes of Season 2. And as far as what he's a god of, he is obviously a god of fire, magma, revenge, the Ra'yu, the sun, and volcanoes. And I say obviously because we'll he is playing a major part in the Wizard King trilogy, if you don't know about it. But he also had a very strong hand in a lot of elements of the history of Trowler and the history of the cosmic creation of the gods and stuff like that, too, as far as these elements are concerned. So they play a play a play kind of a key role in his development and aspect as in general. His realm is called Healy, and given what he's the god of, it's not hard to imagine what that would incorporate. So, you know, fire, magma, volcanoes, the sun, things like that. And so, naturally, that's not always the most preferred afterlife that people would would seek after, although people do worship him for different elements, as we get to in just a second here. I want to focus on the fact that he's the god of the Ryu, and the Ryu are one of the monstrous races that we don't often talk about or haven't talked about entirely yet on this podcast. But basically, for layman's terms, they're kind of like lizard men. They're not really lizard men, but they're, they're more like monitor lizards given human Humanoid form and shape, something to that effect. Um, I'm being general and you know, kind of giving a, a rough overview there, but that's kind of the general idea if you want a visual in your mind. But he created them just like a lot of uh, not a lot of but other deities created their own followers at the beginning of, of And You had Casilla making the muses, you had Ganatar making the Minotaurs, you had Cuthon making the giants and the Jarthal, and then Remonas said, Hey, I'm gonna make a race too, and he makes are you? And from the Ryu, you end up getting the Daltarians and the Lizardmen. The Lizardmen actually come from the Ryu, their corrupted form of uh, the version of Ryu that uh, Remanas made. So naturally, he has a ready-made group of people that are more inclined or disposed to worshipping him in general. So because of that, he has some followers as well. But other people worship him, as I said, for different aspects of who he is or perceived to be. Obviously, the sun is a good thing, especially, or it could be a fearful thing if you live out in a desert region, region or dry region. Um, fire is a good thing by people. They like it and things like that. Um, revenge can be something that people get into and, and uh, tie into and make a part of their life as well. So he has a lot of avenues that people find him and uh, connect with him and, and want to worship him or, or dedicate themselves to him based upon those various elements or aspects of his Portfolio or what he seeks to engender and and be involved in in general. And so naturally, because of that widespread of what he's about, you're going to have a divergence of opinion and doctrines and things of different sects and different religions that come out of that. And so he, depending upon where you are and what the belief system is, you're not always going to find him in a good light, shall we say, or sometimes you'll find him in a bad light. And again, it depends on who the people are, what the region is, what what the belief system is in general. But in general, if it's a city or a civilized place in a temperate region away from monsters' races, he's probably not going to be that well-received, well-known, because he's usually focused on that aspect as the god of revenge, and that he has a small gathering of people that facilitate that aspect of his divine personhood, if you will. And they are usually more cultic or smallly smaller in affiliation than in what a temple would be necessarily. Although there are elements of other elements of them that could be seen as positive, like fire in the sun and stuff, you could probably find those in larger cities, like smaller temple or something like that, where they gathered and, and worshiped as well. Obviously, if it's in the desert region or a place where the sun is a very important element of, of life, or being protected from the harsh realities of the sun, like in the desert, shall we say again that might be a more uh, predominant faith, more predominant placement of shrines and temples and things in the region. And again, that can vary by by region by region and throughout historical time frame because it depends on how people perceive him and what he was able to have done or accomplished in a given region over time. So if he, he's been known to be more of a positive influence over time, maybe that influence would spread in a more positive direction. If he's perceived more as a negative thing and there's been more negative aspects of stuff of late. Maybe there's been a bunch of forest fires, for example, or it's been a very, very drought ridden type of climate where the sun just won't stop. Maybe people are more inclined to turn away from him and go somewhere else. And you get the idea. So again, being a dark god too he's not necessarily seen as a as a very positive deity overall. But again he's also not something that is the most predominant in people's thinking. I mean, it's easy to see where, well, yeah, people want peace and prosperity. People want health and healing. People want, you know, law and order kind of stuff. That's, that's people, you can get that and understand that. That's almost universal. And you can, those deities are going to be more favored and connected with. Not everyone's super excited about the sun or fire or magma or volcanoes or the Ryu or, you know, revenge or things like that. So he's going to, like I said, not pushed on the back burner necessarily, but just not readily, promoted in, in in the general populace and not readily even thought about by most people kind of pushed to the shadows and on one in on one hand but but also given a little bit of lip service on the other if that if that makes sense it's kind of always that fun stretching and tightrope that people walk in this interesting religious system that people are living in in antralodrome And because he is a dark god, and because he's kind of like his father in some extent, he has a certain agenda, certain things he wants to accomplish, and he's not afraid to be a little more vocal, a little more active in pursuing them. And like his father, he's also sired some spawns of his own, and he's been involved in kind of generating some myths and legends around them as well, but he has not necessarily ever really settled down. He doesn't really at least at this point in history, has not really looked at considering getting married or in a relationship, a serious relationship or anything like that. So he's more of that, that young kind of going out there and having fun kind of thing in and that, and that extent. But he is, like I said, a, a, a strange amalgam of some elements of his father's assertiveness and the desire to control and dominate on, on some elements. But also he's kind of astute and, and, and smart in other ways. And he's he has this... Uh, interest in, in holding grudges and wanting to get revenge on people and things and finding creative ways to to do it, that naturally ties into him being the god of revenge. So he ha- he's kind of a mixed bag. He has a lot of things going on with him, which I think personally as, as, a, as a writer and stuff, it makes him fun to write and use in stories and things but doesn't always translate well to having people wanting to follow him because you don't really know <laughs> where he's going to kind of fall down necessarily on everything he's not as bad as perloza who we had to push back to next uh next season to cover who's very very murkial and very hard to figure out as far as you don't know if she's going to kill you or bless you in the in the same moment of talking with her but she he is i think at least approachable by most people they just don't know if they want to because given what his tendencies or areas of influence might be like i i said earlier but in general, he is kind of well received by the general pantheon of gods. He is not necessarily an entirely negative influence, but he's not necessarily a very positive influence either. Uh, I think people see him to some extent, sometimes as an extent of his father, especially when it comes to voting. Um, he is breaking free of his father's shadow a little bit more than than in the past, but. He still is usually in lockstep a lot of times with what what his dad says to do, and they're on the same page in a lot of ways, and the general overall uh, philosophy of what they want to accomplish with their position and and the general plan for the uh, the pantheon and the cosmos as well. When it comes to Troulodon, he's kind of left to his own, like all the other deities are for the most part, and he just has a unique bent in what he wants to do. He doesn't really necessarily have grandiose plans, at least at this point, to greatly do things or change things, like maybe some other deities might want to do. His primary focus, of course, is Zaryu, who he created, but also maintaining and keeping his um, influence in the places where he is now and trying to expand it in the best way he can. Um, Obviously, he splits his time between Trilodon and uh the the cosmic realm where he is and and the cosmos uh general and of course the elements of the pantheon where he has to work with the various political machinations and things that are involved there as well and there's a lot more i can get into with him as i've said in previous episodes with the other deities but i don't want to spoil a lot of stuff that has already been written about him like i said in the wizard king trilogy that people might not have been able to read yet and also in forthcoming titles and um ventures I'm looking to do as well. So I think we'll just wrap it up at this point in time on Ramanos. Hopefully it's given you a nice insight into the the DD and hopefully the whole season so far has given you a little bit more background and information about who these DDs are and how they fit into the the wider scheme of the story universe in general. If you have any questions on anything again, do feel free to send them my way at lore, that's L-O-R-E at chadcorey.com that's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E Dot com. I'll do my best to either put them into an episode and answer them directly or get back to you know try and find a way to respond to them. If you have any comments about you know things in the podcast or things you'd like to see covered or explained more or dug into, feel free to send those as well. I would appreciate that. Make sure I'm at least providing some content that is of uh, greater use and benefit to the listeners and getting a win win out of that for, for everybody involved. But other than that, have a great rest of the year. If you are listening to this when I just posted it, And we will catch you with the next episode, episode 25, in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey, all rights reserved.